This is the Pam Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air with Michelle Coutinho. For the first time, you're a life coach, and uh, this is the first time you've been on a Podmatch podcast. So thank you for being on my show, and I um, want to welcome you to the Pam Electric Ghost podcast. How are you doing tonight? I'm I'm so happy to be here. Truly, it's it's an honor. I'm I'm grateful. Thank you for the reach out and the opportunity to connect with whoever is watching. What up, everyone? <laughs> I wanted to let people know we are a featured podcast on the Newsly Network. You can see that icon. It says, listen on Newsly. <clears throat> for those of you who use the coupon code, you can check that out for one month for free. So we are a featured podcast. The Fam Electric Ghost podcast is on Newsly. <clears throat> so if you check that out later tonight, you'll be able to listen to that for free and uh, with that coupon code of ghost. And I want to let people know that we're on episode 1045. Tracking on an Apple podcast since 2016. And uh, what we're going to talk about tonight is uh, um, we're basically going to talk about living from your soul, all the reasons we are too afraid to live our life purpose. But we're going to get into that. And uh, one of the first questions I always ask people is, um, why do you do what you do? What motivates you? When I was um, 17 years old, I found this philosopher, teacher, psychedelic uh, extraordinaire person who's a spiritual teacher, really well known. His name is Ram Das. My mom handed him to me. And um, so that's one reason. And the other reason is because, you know, like many people, I grew up in a toxic environment. And I think that there's a lot of like unhealed people in this world that are just like putting their projections and their abuse and their trauma onto each other. And like, you know, so so two things happen. So one is I grew up in that environment, religion was involved. And I think that's another thing is that people are like, there's a disconnection between what spirituality teaches or what religion teaches versus like how people actually act in the world. And that disparage, like, it's so common for people to be like, I was in the church, and then this happened. And then I was like, wait, what? And then they find their way back to whatever they find that is inner peace and source. When I heard Ram Das, like I was, I've, I'm, I'm an old soul. And so I was in high school, really not connecting with what the consciousness of high school is and like how people gossip and are mean to each other and just all those things that I was just like, this is like so weird that this is what we all do with each other. This is humanity. And this dude in the seventies went to India, took psychedelics, went to India, found a guru, came back and was talking about like spiritual awakening. And I related more with him on those lectures from 30 years ago, because I went to high school in the 90s and early 2000s, um, than I did with the people who were like sitting next to me in the classroom. And I decided then that I wanted to teach about consciousness. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about the universe and philosophy and what makes it tick. And I found Joseph Campbell and other philosophers and other really deep thinkers. And I get called out all the time by even my father and like people around me who are like, you think too much or you think too deeply or you need to. And I'm like, no, that is the way to being like poetry and mystics, <laughs> mysticism and artists and like, but, but in our current society, all of that is told you're too sensitive. You're too vulnerable. It doesn't fit. Da, da, da. It doesn't make money. And um, so I do what I do because I think that I want to create a world that I want to live in and a world that I truly believe in, which is like the la vie bohème of like these transcendentalist movements that have happened throughout times like the Renaissance where they're, they're, they're focusing on beauty, art and poetry and heart-centered consciousness. And if I can bring that to the world, then I will have succeeded a little bit. Just if I can just give a little bit to the world. And um, I also feel personally that I do it because I have to it's my own healing it's my own you know what I mean like if I didn't yeah. do, it's like an artist like if I didn't bring yeah. out my art I would die well, <laughs> well, I think if you're creative like I I consider yeah. people to do what you're doing creatives not totally. just artists poets music I'm a, I'm a artist I'm a musician and I believe in the the kind of flow state flow state um kind of like uh, I, I, I kind of grew up loving the romantic poets like yeah. William Blake and Tennyson Wordsworth oh, and the right. Renaissance poets and there's all kinds of music I'm a child of the 70s and in and, 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 and the thing about that era it was it was very expansive if yes. you think about it a lot of musicians were crossing barriers they were crossing like racial barriers gender barriers uh, yeah, genre barriers so they were mixing things together, jazz and rock and folk and everything was all colliding. 
if you look at the concerts like Woodstock, look at that that picture, that audience, all the diversity of it, the diversity of the bands that play there. It was that that seems to have been kind of now everybody's in these narrow lanes. You can only be this type of the genre. You can only, you know, if you're in this genre, you can't hang out with the people from the other genre. And it's so narrowly focused and about perfection where everybody's using computers to create art. And I'm like, what about actually using a piano? What yeah, about <laughs> using, using a, like a real instrument? And and, if you, and I understand there are people that use computers and that's fine. But there's something that's lost when you, when you don't allow people to have happy accidents, when you want things to be overly perfect, then you don't allow things to be like the, the greatness in art is it's the, the imperfections of beauty and it, how it comes out sometimes in a flow state that's kind of from the muse. Exactly. Like, what about the, what about the muse? It's like, I think the muse influences everybody from, from, from just the walking around in nature to walking around anywhere you are in the planet. If you're open to it, yeah. you can kind of go with it. But so many people like don't want to listen to it. <laughs> or are afraid or are literally afraid to because, again, spiritual principles like the muse, God, the divine, the infinite, the dark black sky in Hawaii when you're driving at three in the morning. These are the, the waves crashing on the like if I was driving on Hawaii one time. Right. And it was like three in the morning and I was driving, I think, out of Haleakala or down the thing from Haleakala and to the airport so I could get there at six in the morning or something, I had an early flight. And there was this little place where the um, the waves crashed up against the shore. And I realized that I was on like the edge of the world in a way, right? And I wanted so hard to be like, I got out of my little, uh, it was a convertible, what was that weird card? Like the PT Cruiser, remember the PT Cruiser? Oh, yeah, it was a PT yeah. Cruiser convertible in like 2012. Yeah, and I got cool. out of my car and I stood at this edge with the cliff in all black. And I wanted so hard to be, you know, I'm a little baby medicine woman then, right? I wanted so hard to be like, oh, you know, to the infinite step. <laughs> but I got there and I was like, oh, oh, like my arms, like I couldn't because one gust of wind could have knocked me oh, off the cliff. Yeah, and yeah. that is the, re that, and I'm into it, man. I've done ayahuasca, like I'm into psychedelics. I, you know, and still to the, the humble, the humility of, being around a force of nature that is so much greater than ourselves. And I think it really makes the ego uncomfortable. It really makes people uncomfortable, people who are clinging to control and false concepts of power and their identities. They are so afraid of surrendering to the infinite. That's how I, I, I talk about it. It's vulnerability. You know, people are afraid to be vulnerable. Everybody wants to have these perfect masks on. I know. <laughs> and, and and it's like, you know, you get on the net and you see all these images. It's like, well, that's all artificial. Totally. And people, you know, to get their you get their their on, on their social profile. Is that really them? No, because I know like a lot of people. <laughs> I live in Austin and I was just on, I was just on. I mean, it's a girlfriend. I used to be a client of mine actually, but I was literally, I was looking at what she was saying, and it was like, I've done over 200 million in sales or something like that. And I was like, not like no you haven't but like you're in there people are posturing and yeah. embellishing for mm -hmm. to look like a model of what this thing that sells and i i've been in the inner conversations and i know the people and people are afraid to show their imperfectness and their vulnerability and i think what's really cool about the path that i've taken is like my spirit elders like whoever's in charge of me up there in the universe has not allowed me to become one of those people who are manicured. Like I just, I'm, I can't pull it off for the life of me. And yeah. I think that's actually that a is, blessing in a way because I'm teaching now through my own vulnerability and my, my navigation is like, that's actually not authentic. And the people who do that, when you do get, I've met so many people in spiritual communities who are very like, who have such high followings and make so much money. And every time I talk to somebody, they're like, oh, do you know this person? I worked for him. He's an asshole. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> so like, why, you know, why, why, why achieve all those outer things when that's what's yeah. happening about you underneath? And like, that's yeah. just, it's well, not what's good. The, who's, the, who's the real you? And, right. you know, do you actually feel good? You know, like for all the edifice, 
that you create. I'm kind of about the law of attraction. So if you build something kind of fake, then fake is going to come to you, right? So if if, if you're true to yourself, regardless of how many, you know, metrics about views or plays or hearts or likes, it when you reach people, the you reach the the correct people because you you're putting out an authentic voice. You're throwing it at the world's wall, the universal wall, yeah. And the right people find what you're what you're saying, and then they come to you, and you get opportunities. You know, totally. just an example with this podcast, like sometimes the number of plays don't represent the opportunities to get created. Yeah. So like if you, if you present. Uh, 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 like this episode and it reaches a certain person that could cause a connection or, or okay. ability to, to you know, so. work with that person. <laughs> yeah. There's all kinds of things that happen. There's cascading yeah. events and it doesn't equate to, oh, I got a million views. Yeah, I yes. got on the top of the algorithm. I'm on the top. So many people are into the lisp. They're into yeah. the view. They're, they're, they're just looking at, you know, logical metrics. Yeah. Without understanding, like, what about the fact that if you talk to a thousand people, you get a thousand perspectives and mm. it's like oral history. Like the more you learn, the deeper you get, right? The yeah. more perspectives you get, then you get a more open mind that is willing to learn and you're never done. So what's, that's the benefit and anything else is gravy, you yeah. know? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Cause real, 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 real truth is often hidden that's all that's something else that i've learned is that there's a maturity in the subtle you know and um i think that everyone as a mass consciousness wants i mean our all of our egos want to look a certain way and i i, I do love that part of myself but every time i'm presented with something real it's subtle it's something I wouldn't have thought of. It's something that I didn't create with my mind, even. It's something mm-hmm. that comes to you as a gift. That's like what grace is. And it's invisible. You know, these the pa- power, true power is like subtle and it weaves through things and it weaves through all of life and it doesn't present itself as an emblem. Yeah, it's, it's just, always obvious. It's not the obvious thing. It's not obvious. It glares at you. It's like a lot of times things get missed mm-hmm. and then they become like very important. And so like certain people write papers, they write books, they create art and it's mm-hmm. overlooked. Yeah. It's not popular. Yeah. But then, then later people find it. Well, like, that well, could be advanced too. Yeah. Like it's ahead of its time. Yeah, and then like, like, yeah. Definitely like William Blake, the mm-hmm. poet we know for Tiger, Tiger, Fearful, Night Cemetery. He was not known in his time. He had the forethought to wow. use acid to etch his poems into metal plates with artwork. All of the songs of innocence and experience actually have art met uh, that was you know etched in acid that go with those poems. They were found like in a farmhouse <laughs> after the after he was gone, and then wow. he became one of the standard bearers of the Victorian age without actually have been popular. Wasn't like Longfellow or Wordsworth or Tennyson. He wasn't popular in his age. He became popular after the fact. Amazing. And he was a mystic. I mean, I saw his artwork at a museum in, I think it was London. And there was an exhibit of, um, it was like the the god where it was like, it looks like a, like the white bearded dude and then mm-hmm. the sun and that, oh my goodness, that's it's breathtaking. That yeah, vision. he's a great artist that was not known. But he didn't give up doing that work. He did his work and he etched it and he wasn't a good marketer. But that shows you, he's like, sometimes just because you're not a good marketer doesn't mean you're not a good artist. Huh. It's like, I relate, it's not always, I relate it's with not, that. It's not the same. It's not one in the same. You know, it's like, and today we like everybody, you know, you have great marketers, but what's the quality of the art? Totally. Right. And so I think a lot of people, you know, they, they give up because they don't get the popularity. But a lot of times you have to do something because you love it. Like if you love to write or paint or act, you do it because you love to do it. And and, and it makes you happy, it makes you feel good. And that in itself drives you to, to get better at it.
But if you're looking for some, you know, some other measurement, sometimes that's like the fail point there. Because I think a lot of times we don't kind of, you know, treat our world like a spiritual journey that like, okay, it's, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to embrace things. I'm going to embrace the expansive rather than the narrow. Totally. And that's, that's a hard thing to do because like things, everybody wants to be in the box. Everybody's kind of trained to be in the box. It's kind of, you, you, sometimes you don't have a good experience if you're out of the box. Right. Because you get a lot of people who come in and say, well, you're, that's not, that's not good. Or you're, that's not the right way. And so as soon as you, 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 you put your opinion out there, you could get hit with like opinion and that stops a lot of people. But I think like what you have to kind of know is you, you got to be in tune with that kind of universal vibe. <laughs> you're calling, you're calling, you have to honor it. You have to honor it completely. So what's the number one thing that you see in the world now that needs healing? Wow. Well, number one in the collective for sure is the way that people speak to each other online. Do you notice that? Like recently, yeah. like it's like, it's wicked. It's wicked. I would say like that's truly, it's cowardly because they're not in front of the person, they're not exchanging energy. And it's pervasive because it's not even like on, I mean, any comments, it's not even on things that are important sometimes. It's like somebody put in a picture of a dog and then they're like, you shouldn't have done that big, like just rude. Like like the first the meanness, thing is a rude thought. <laughs> and the, mean, the, mean, the meanness of people's response, it's almost like it's clickbait. Like the meaner mm. the response, they're hoping to trigger the algorithm and they'll get the next reel. Maybe, because, maybe, maybe. Because how I mean, that's a terrible, that's a terrible be. thought because that's literally, I would say, what I'm against and what I want to change is that, um, you know, I did an ayahuasca ceremony a very long time ago, like in 2014, and I made a very old, it's very old now, but it was my first like full transmission YouTube video where I was like, everything, it was called Radiant Vibrations. And it was about everything that we put out into the world creates the world. Like every thought we think, everything we do, every way we treat somebody perpetuates what the world is created of. It's like, we're all ingredients in a soup. And oh, like a vibe, like an overall vibe. Like I believe in frequency because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm into sound design. You know, nice. I do a lot of things with synthesizers and nice. oscillators and their waveforms. And our heart puts out waveforms. Our voice puts out waveforms. Yes. Our body kind of puts out waveforms. When you feel that bad vibe, you're exactly. picking it up. Exactly. You can pick it up. <laughs> That's exactly true. That's exactly true. And so what are you contributing is the question. Yeah. So if you're online, even if you're protesting the war, the Israel-Palestine, right? And the people yeah, yeah. in the Palestinian movement, should Israel, okay, was what happened in Israel terrible? Yes. Should Israel be doing the intense military action that it's doing as a response? No, that's really, it's really an overstep, right? We all know that. Yeah, and yeah. Yahoo, total warmonger. Okay. I do yeah. believe personally that Israel has the right to exist. And I understand why they're insane because everybody around them is trying to kill them. However, However, if I was going to protest the war and the actions in the war, I would not be doing it the way that everybody is doing it because the way that they are doing it is taking the same pain that creates war in general and doing it between us in the West who have no power to change what is happening there by yelling at each other. That doesn't make any logical sense at all. So if I'm now hating everyone and then constantly with the same amount of anger, pro like putting out negative vib war vibrations in my own being and in my demeanor. It's like, how are you changing anything? You're not, you are perpetuating the same violence and it makes it, it's completely irrational. And yet those people think that they're doing right, but really they're just putting more damage into the field. So I don't yeah, well, quite if you're, if understand. You're, well, if you're chaos, you know, if you're a dissonant waveform, Right, exactly. it's not harmony. 
Well, dissonance is going to kind of breed dissonance, right? It's going to exactly. attract dissonance. It's going to, if you have a dissonant waveform, like you think about like a punk rock show when everybody's like jumping around, banging on each other. Well, that's not like peace and love. That's not like what the hippie Woodstock vibe. No. The hippie Woodstock vibe is like everybody's kind of all together. There's other vibes like I'm jumping on people, kicking them in the head. It's like, well, that's not exactly being together, right? That's no. kind of being kind of to the point where you don't care if you hurt the next person. You're just like, oh, it's all out for you. It's right. So, like, so you have this kind of dissonance and you have harmony and you have like symmetry and like you can, you can get into different phases. It's like if you can align your waveform so they're kind of like, like if you're listening to something that kind of puts you to sleep like ambient music mm-hmm. or something that like people feel a love song and everybody's holding the candle. Mm. Right at at the concert, they're feeling a waveform, and everybody in that hall is putting up their candle and they're kind of waving back. It's like, well, they're all in harmony. It's like, it, what's going to work? It what puts you into the harmony. But like, totally. If you get into the dissonance, it always goes to almost like a riot. Exactly, it goes into like warfare. You know, that's that's the problem. It's like, you can get you can get led into that. Yeah, well, that's the, what I think is actually going to be the most, like, because you asked me what needs the most healing. And I think, I think what needs healing is that people need to, you know, they have those whole spiritual concepts about being asleep, or the people who are sheep. And then but nowadays, it's even the awoke, the woke movement, quote, unquote, has turned into the like sleep people, because they're, if anybody says anything, you know, then everybody just follows the one thing that's the that's the current narrative of what we're saying activism is. And I don't, I believe that what's gonna change that is when people actually have the courage because of cancel culture, everybody's afraid. So they don't wanna stand out and actually speak what's true, which is that that way of creating division, even if you're doing it in the name of liberation is not actually going to heal anything. Because like Einstein spoke, that you cannot solve a problem from the consciousness that created it. So if you are matching and mirroring the consciousness that created the problem and then demanding that there be peace with the same amount of anger in your voice, you are not actually creating a environment where neutralization can happen and where people can actually receive and listen to each other. It'll just be voices shouting. And we should know, people I believe should know and be able to look back through time and see what has and has not worked with conflict resolution and not feel the pressure, people who are like me, who are influencers, who are brown skin, who not feel the pressure to conform into a certain narrative when it may not be absolutely true. It, it doesn't have to, we don't all have to agree and there's nuances to every conversation. And it yeah. breaks my heart that everybody feels this pressure, not only feels the pressure, but that they use those conversations to perpetuate their business. Because I'm also watching people do that. People who are influencers, people who have businesses on Instagram, they use the trending narrative in order to try to gain accolades and followers, whether they may believe it in their hearts or not. And that's disingenuous. And I don't feel like that's healthy. And it's definitely not creating more consciousness in the world. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of problems with people just like following the algorithm. Exactly. Right? So, you know, it's it's kind of kind of it's basically it's like the idea, like you know, Wall Street greed is good, right? So when you have this mindset, that yeah. greed is good, right? If you have a, and it goes back to like an idea like Calvinism, like I want to come down on it, but the Calvinists had this idea that if you're an industrial billionaire, mm. you're, you're actually closer to God because you made money, right? Because you're wealthy, so God must like you. But even if your wealth destroyed the river, destroyed the forest. It's, you know, they, they hurt the poor, yeah. injured the poor, didn't give them any rights. But because you're that billionaire, you're robber baron, that's okay. That's crazy. And so I think when you when you have kind of morality that's got like greed behind it, right? And if and when you do things just for numbers, yeah, right? not for is this actually gonna help somebody? Yeah, is this actually gonna make somebody's life better? Right. You can say, well, you know, it's your opinion. Well, you know, there's certain things that can make a poor human being's life better. You know, there's certain things that could make it better. Not just having the latest widget, but there's certain things that can actually increase your life expectancy, increase your health, 
fix your, you know, there's certain things that you could do. So if you do things, they teach people how to have a better frame of mind. So they're not getting blood pressure, stroking out, you know, freaking out, not being happy, committing suicide. Like if you make people have peace of mind, well, that's probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> you know, but it's like, it's like, well, it's subjective. It's like, well, you know, everything's subjective if you want it to be. But um, I think th- there's a lot of stuff that's out there. Like you said, the people who are disingenuous, not authentic, wearing masks. Yeah. It's harder to be vulnerable. It's yeah. harder to do sometimes the thing that nobody else is doing. Because that puts you like, you're, well, you're walking the other way and everybody's walking this way. Well, it's, sometimes, you know, yeah. life is such that you have to do that. This life is such that maybe the trend is to like what the bully says. Mm-hmm. The, the trend is to like the bully and the bully is putting down disabled people and you think it's funny. Everybody thinks the bully's great, but they, they're laughing about disabled people. It's and like you Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't want to say it out there, but you can say, well, how is that good? Yeah. Just because the crowd thinks it's good doesn't make it good, doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, and it's harmful. It's harmful, actually. It can be very harmful. And I think that that's what we need to get real about in the world. That's the thing that needs healing more than anything is like, what are our values as a people? Like, as a nation, maybe in America, maybe as a world is like, what really matters? And then how do we, how do we, how do we be examples of it in the world? I mean, do you have to have a Gandhi? Do you have to have a Dr. King? Do you have to have a Muhammad Ali to make a statement? Why does it have to be this outlier person to get people to pay attention? Mm. There's things to me that are kind of universal truths. But how beautiful is it that there are those people? So, I mean, I think that's a really beautiful thing that you just said, that sometimes there does need to be an avatar in a way that comes and makes people see in that beautiful outlier way that you were like artists that come. I mean, we don't really, haven't really had one in a minute that somebody yeah. who can actually be an example for what truth, like embodied a truth looks like, you know? I love yeah. even Muhammad Ali, who is a boxer, but it's like, or like Nelson Mandela, there's a, and you know what it is, because I'm, I'm a healer, I do healing work, it's that their field, their energy field, so is high, yeah. Yeah. For, it's so radiant and so clear about what they're so in integrity and in their true subtle power, that people are changed just by being in their presence. And that yeah. that is what I am like, not trying to become, but at least pointing myself toward yeah, trying to be yeah, yeah on that zone. I mean, that's what I try to yeah. do. I mean, I'm, I, I think anybody who tries to be authentic to. Is, is to be authentic yourself. Right. Exactly. And then hope people think it's a good idea. And then, you know, law of attraction, they come toward you, they get a group of people, you get a collective, that collective starts to get some weight, got some people pay attention. That's all, all you can do is try your best. And yeah. I feel like, you know, a lot of times in this world, a lot of the gatekeepers have have made it such that it's hard for people to get to, you know to find these people not that they, they aren't here they probably are here and they're probably talking right now somewhere anywhere on the planet right. it's just there are certain people who control what we see that aren't allowing those people to bubble that's to the top. That's very true. It's, um, it is a narrative that, that gets perpetuated, you know, a certain narrative. And it's true. Like uh, even people all the time talk about like if they spoke out about COVID or, or politics or X, Y, Z, that they get banned nowadays on social media. And isn't that insane that that even can happen is yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get these shadow bands, you get these, you, you, your numbers, if you say a certain thing, you you're you suddenly you can't be seen. These algorithms actually hide your content from your from people who watch you, so and then crazy. suddenly they can't see it. And so the tech has gotten so out of control. Yeah. And then people start asking, well, who actually is controlling that algorithm? Who actually is deciding to making those decisions? And well, AI looking, is similar. AI is similar. Yeah. I mean, you know, no offense to uh, the fantasy of like busty 
women, but I did an AI app over the weekend, like because it, people are posting this new AI app and I did it. And all of my photos were like Playboy centerfold photos. And I was like, this is ridiculous because it's well, not think about the, the guys who programmed AI. Exactly. A, a lot of times they don't look like me. They don't look like you. Right. And they have a kind of prejudice or, or they have their own sure. mindset. Yeah. And this is why a lot of people have been complaining about AI in the tech. If you oh. have a group of people who aren't representative of the whole, yeah, and they're making the decisions, and it's like this this group of people who are not ethnically diverse, uh, you know, they're not gender diverse, they're not socially diverse. So they come in and like you said, when they do your image, they make it some bombastic thing. It's like, well, how is that representative yeah. of you? Yep. Right. And then if they do something with me, it's like they a lot of times with African Americans or my other minorities, they don't they kind of they kind of take away our ethnic diversity. Totally. And AI kind of turns this into something, well, that's not who I really look. That's not me at all. That's yeah. not even my ethnicity, right? They kind of change it because yeah. they have a bias. Yeah. And people are like, well, it's computers. Like, who wrote the program? You know, if you have a bias, it's in your program. It's yeah, in it's your in the people. It's like kind of in your DNA. There's there's mm -hmm. like there's a system DNA that people are acting like it's some kind of universal thing, but there's an there's a bias to it, and people don't challenge it, you know. But they need to challenge it because it's a fact. It's not, it's not a fantasy. You can check out numbers on it, but it, there's a reason why things are the way they are. I agree. But you know, I want to get all heated about it. But uh, <laughs> it, I, I am a techie in, in a world where there's not a lot of techies that look like me, and so I understand it for, since I've, I've been in it. And uh, you know, it's just that you try to encourage people to go into a place that a lot of times people don't want you there, right? So it, it's not so easy to be in a room when there's nobody else that looks like you. But you know, sometimes you gotta you, you get there because you need you feel like you need to be there, um, and and that's hard because a lot of people want to have a comfort zone of having like minded people around. But sometimes if you have to be a pioneer, you're not you're gonna be the only one in the room, and and that's hard. It's a hard thing to do. But you know, there are more people who need to kind of push themselves into kind of uncomfortable positions because it's kind of necessary. I totally hear you. But, you know, I, I think from 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 the perspective of just uh, learning how to how to do what you do, what are like what are like three amazing things that you've learned doing soul mentorship or doing the things that you do in your practice that mm. people wouldn't expect that, that you found out? OK, um, let me think about that. What are things that I found out? Well, I mean. I can get really multidimensional. It's kind of a leap from what we were just talking about. But uh, I mean, what you were just saying about courage and the courage to be different is a huge thing. Um, and the reason why people aren't as courageous sometimes to be different is because I believe in past lives. And so I found out that, so I started as a vocal empowerment coach because I wanted to give people like a very specific niche right? It's a trending word is a niche so that they would understand what I do, even though I always knew that I did spiritual mentorship. And then when I talk about vocal empowerment, what I notice that happens is that there's expansions and contractions. And so say somebody wants to perform music or wants to lead a women's group or wants to be in front of people and somehow sharing their medicine or their voice or wants to start a podcast even they might really have that desire, but when they get up on stage, they start to shake or they start to actually feel this contraction and they can't manage their energy field in a certain way. Why is that? Sometimes it's because of childhood trauma, but childhood trauma often mirrors what our karmic predicament is. And so if you're asking me an interesting thing that I found out, it's that I have this skill to sit in front of somebody with their coaching, with my coaching one-on-one -on -one and hear and see who they were in a past life. For example, I worked with a young man who was 30 years old and I met him at like, um, it was the first time I went, I went to a singles meetup 
here in Austin because one of my friends was going and he wanted like the backup support. So I went and I met a young boy who was talking to me and I was like, I'm not really, you know, I'm a coach and I'm not really here for dating. I'm just with my friend, but you know, we'll talk. And he said, I have a feeling I, I could learn something from you. And I said, okay, fill out, you know, my application and like, let's talk. And um, when we sat in front of each other, I had a transmission come through. I like get them like beam of light information in my head. And I saw him as a Shiva initiate in an Indian temple somewhere. And well, I guess in India, not somewhere, but somewhere in India. And it was another lifetime. He's a software developer who goes to festivals, flat brim hat, white kid, et cetera. But we, I like, I picked this up so clear as day and there's a lot that goes with that. If he was a Brahma, if he was a priest, he has like any, it worked out in his life. He was kind of distant from everybody in his life. Um, in his sexuality, we did a little bit of tantric work where he had to be able to actually like receive and feel from the partner because he was, he was just in a, a certain energetic way in his being where he, he was present, but he wasn't really connected. And so we did like different breath practices in the testimonial that's on my website that he wrote for me. He said, I wasn't even connected to the lower half of my body before, but Michelle like helped me bring my energy down into my roots and like understand. And there's a way to work with sexual energy where it's not lusty or sexual. It's like natural. It's like exquisite and normal and healthy. So I think like the biggest thing that I learned was that um, we all are wired and programmed from not only our upbringing and religion or parents or society, but also we're carrying as a soul. And in the yoga Vedas, they call it samskaras. We, we're, we're carrying in our mental and emotional body these aversions and attractions, these things that we're wanting and these things that we're scared of based on our, our soul's history. And mm -hmm. by accessing those pieces of our soul's history, and then here's another really crazy thing that I learned was um, there's an initiation a bit about there's different times in our life where it's almost like the, the merits or the gifts of the past want to come forward into this current incarnation. And the only way to do that is actually, and this is, I know it's like a weird, why is this like that? But it is, you have to experience the pain of the other lifetime or go through whatever broke your heart or, or fractured your soul about that experience in order to integrate the medicine and the gifts and bring them back into this current incarnation. And I discussed that, like say, anchoring more of your soul into your body. So let's say that you, and it's amazing the ways that it, it comes into this lifetime because like if somebody was imprisoned in another past life, they will, come up with a situation in this life where either they have a boss or a school or something that makes them feel like a prison. It's not like that they're imprisoned in this life, but the mm -hmm. energetic tone is the same. And only by taking that experience and then integrating it and healing it and seeing it from a higher perspective, which is that's what I believe my coaching and my intuitive work and healing does is like, I can tap into what if this, well, what if you were a character in a story? How would you see this as if you were seeing it from above yourself? And then the person gets to receive and see that. And usually they have insights in my present, like, oh my God, it was this, or, oh, I, I never thought about it this way, but that they had, it had to be this. And that's why, and, da, da, da. and that integration gives you a sense of wholeness. And from that, your authentic leadership, your voice, your power, you can move with more freedom in the world because you went through that shadow, the work, the, the challenge, the soul piece, and you made use of it. And you it, it has a place all of a sudden in your psyche. And then multidimensionally, you're healed. And then what happens after that is you access these gifts and this truth that like, it's more of you present in your body. You've you've called in more of your true soul self and then you're more authentic and then you're less fearful when it comes to dealing with people who might have different opinions or other authority because it's like you're like no I've been there I walked through it and I know this about myself and maybe then that's what starts to trigger people that you know yourself so well but it doesn't matter because that's okay because then you you have a sense of wholeness and you're you're complete within your own being so those are some things that I stumbled upon that's interesting because it kind of like it talks about like the imposter syndrome that a lot of people have. Yeah. Because, you know, but in your case, you're talking about like in past lives, people might have this imposter thing that's been carrying from life to life. And then maybe each life they're not 
actually confronting it. And so they never get outside of it and they're kind of boxed in. They're like in the, in the box. Yeah. And, talk about people being in the box and they're kind of like stuck. Or in a past life, they came out of the box and then were like kicked out into the forest and had to like be cast out, you know, because we used to do that to each other as like tribes. We used to say, oh, yeah. oh you did. Oh, you tried to help that person, but the that person died. Well, now you're not allowed to be here. And people who love you are casting you out off the thing. So then people are afraid. I have this meditation. This is this is for anybody who's who's listening. I have a beautiful meditation called Healing the Witch Wound or Releasing the Witch Wound. And it's on Insight Timer. So if you go to insighttimer.com forward slash Michelle Infinity and you listen to this, the witch wound, it can be men or women, but it's basically when you spoke your truth and you were cast out. And that is an imprint in the collective psyche of everyone, I think, because in tribal culture, which we all have in our DNA, transgenerational, like we know that imprint of don't rock the boat because you will get punished for it. Don't, 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 yeah, what is it? Like, yeah. Yeah. The be the bad ostracized. apple. You'll, you'll get yeah, ostracized. Yeah. And if you get ostracized, yeah. you might die. And then, then there's no resources for you. And that's why people are so afraid to live their soul's calling and live their soul's truth because they don't want to stick out. And people, why people don't want to go against the current narrative on Facebook or Instagram is because if I just, follow the way everybody else is going, maybe I'll be rewarded for it, or maybe I'll be safe. It really comes down to safety. And it takes so much courage for someone to go yeah. outside the box and the norm and have a voice that's a little bit different. And yet that's what we need. That's what authentic power and truth and leadership really is, is somebody who is courageous enough to say, you know what, everybody doing this, this is not the right way to be in integrity. Because once somebody says that, it gives permission. And then everybody else gets to say, that's true. I agree with you. But you have to be courageous enough to have that voice of leadership. And not a lot of people do. Yeah, that's when you get people, you get like, you know, Nishiro and Daishon, and I follow like a type of Buddhism. And he, he mm. was a Japanese foreman. He went, you know, he was doing something in a world where that that wasn't the norm to do what he was proposing wasn't Shintoism, right? Yeah. So he was being, uh, they were trying to kill him one time. And then a natural event happened and it kind of like stopped them from killing him because, like, look, well, maybe the gods don't want us to do this because, like, right wow. at the moment, they want to kill him. They, this big event happened. So like sometimes like being that outlier puts you into leadership. I mean, not only be, you could be ostracized, you could, you could die or you could become, become the leader that gets a whole new group of people that follow you because you have a different mindset and different point of view. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's hard to, to be in that set. Cause it's not, you know, cause you could go, go hard the other way. You, you might not be able to live cause you need other human beings to live. We kind of set it, set it up that way, but um, you know, it's it's always hard. So it's like, oh, it's it, it, you're rolling the dice with with with, with what, how how the humanity's going to handle it. But some things are worth it. You have to choose like your 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 own you know mission <laughs> in life. But, but a lot of times, people you you do have to have like some of a plan. You know, yeah, you, you have to start focusing. What do you want? Do you want to feel? If you're not feeling good, right? If something doesn't feel right and you're like, like, this isn't, this isn't my authentic self. Why am I doing this? Am I doing this because somebody told me I should do it? Or I think that's what I should be doing? Or what is it that I really, what the, what's the path I should be on? And sometimes maybe you need to talk to someone like yourself to figure that out. Yeah, I'm so good at that. <laughs> Whoever wants you know? to talk to me about that. I'm, that's definitely what I'm good at is that people don't, you know what it is? People know what they want, but they're a little scared to say yes to their own thought. And so for me being a mirror for them to be like, oh, you're like this, or oh, you had this in a past life, or oh, that, then they're like, oh my God, I've been telling myself that for a year, but I've never, you know what I mean? I didn't know. You need like, you know, you need a mentor and reinforcement, and then you'll start to align. Because a lot of times that when people say, well, you know, oh, they first give me the answer, well, that answer was already inside of you. A hundred percent. All the all the things that you find from your mentor or your shaman or your, you know, spiritual leader, like usually it's on, you know, it's in your subconscious. So you thought about it, yeah, and it's being reinforced. So now you know you're on the right path because you recognized it. But and we need to, that. We need yeah. that. We need that shaman or or ceremony or meditation practice 
we need these little rituals because there it's something about humans. Humans need ritual in order to get out of the mind, the mental emotional framework, because that mental emotional framework has aversions and contractions and conditioning from past lives. And so the only way to access the witness consciousness, and that's what I believe that I do, I teach a workshop called uh, the koshas. And the koshas, it moves you from the mental emotional plane, energetic, physical body, mental, emotional, higher intuitive awareness, and then your soul. So there are these levels of consciousness that you can access. And I feel like what I see my clients do is when they get that aha moment of, oh my God, da, 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 or, oh, that's why this happened and this and this, you're going beyond the mind and into your higher intuitive awareness. So literally seeing yourself from an eagle eye view. It's very hard to do that by yourself unless you're like having a badass meditation, <laughs> which, which yeah. only comes on certain days. I meditate almost every day and like, only certain, and you said you study Buddhism, so you understand the same thing. Only certain days, it's like, woo, in the pocket. But other times, it's just like clearing out some noise and stuff. But man, when you're in front of another person, it's like that Jesus thing. When two or more are gathered, it's like something else happens and spirit comes in and speaks. And it when you hold that vision and that container for that, and it is remarkable. And that is what I serve. And the, the last few years that I've been doing more teaching and coaching work, my channel is more awake when I'm with another person and serving them or when I'm leading a ceremony. It's when I'm in my own being, I wish I was as turned on as when I'm with other people because it's like, oh, my life would be amazing. But it, does, it doesn't work that way. It's a gift that comes from the giving of it. Yeah, it's like a collective thing. I think a lot of artists, like especially musicians, can kind of feel what you're talking about when we play a live concert. Convert, com that. compared to actually like when I'm recording in my studio, there's nobody there. Right? Yeah. So there's only a few people there. But it's like yeah. when you get in, on a stage, there's a, something unique about the live performance because the crowd feeds back to the artist and artist feeds back to the crowd. And it's yes. like a reciprocating flow state. And so if you're in, when you're in that moment, it becomes that point in time piece of art. That's driven by the, the built the, their environment, the feel of the room, the people in the room, the people in the band, the moment is all these things that factor into it, but it's all because they're all like inputs and outputs. It's all connected. Yeah. And when you have that, it's kind of hard to describe, but you need you need that kind of extra input coming from yeah. everybody that's there, including the room, including yeah, the I I often tell, I say this, I said this like twice last week. It's like my, I do insight timer lives every week. So I do these, I call them vocal alchemy for chakra clearing, but it's me with sound bowls and I'm channeling and I'm talking and it's a connection and everybody's in like a webinar. So I don't see them, but they have a ch chat and I can talk to them if I want, but I, and I call in the guides and the angels and I use my singing bowl and I, I do a little bit of like a, you know, shamanic receive, receiving sometimes calling the directions but I feel like my job is a conduit. I'm a bridge between heaven, like the guides and the angels, and then the people in the audience receiving. And then what I get to do is like exchange. So they say the things to me, I receive what they say to me, and then I listen. And I, as I'm listening, like a musician, I attune to like, where does the sound need to go? What's What mantra do I need to sing next? You know, what do the people need? Or I'll even be guiding a meditation, say I'm doing like the chakra part and I'm going and I feel that we need to talk about forgiveness in the heart. And then I'll spend the next 20 minutes talking about and teaching about forgiveness because that's what I felt was in the space. And then what happens? The comments are like, oh, my God, I needed that. You know, like it's it's an alignment. And that's what you were yeah. talking about in the beginning with the muses, because there's some other, you know, and I, we call it the Dakini, you know, the energy of like these muse tantric, beautiful, uh, inspirational muses and deities that come and they bless the meditator with inspiration and compassion and open-heartedness and it really is true that what we attune to I mean we spoke about it earlier it's like what needs to be healed the dissonance and the hatred and the fact that what we attune to we receive and create more of in the world so we can we can choose to focus and attune to love and and harmonics and grace and goodness and art and the muses and poetry, or we can choose to attune to like bullying each other and hating on each other's differences. And it's unfortunate how many people in the name of righteousness are, do are choosing that path right now in the world. And hopefully it won't be like that in the next few years and, and we're burning it out, I hope. 
but I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you can show us um, with the sound ball. Oh, I yeah. think we had talked earlier before we went on air. They maybe yeah. you could show us like how, how you do that. Okay, let's listen together because that's the first part of singing is always listening. So if you're listening, watching around with me, you can take a deep breath. The musicality of that. <laughs> the what? The musicality of what you did. It's very beautiful. Oh, thank you. My honor. Thank you for asking. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I, I, that's why we do the podcast because we we started actually with musicians, and um, and what you've done there is is is, is shows like the the synergy between mm. like the creative kind of arts and. And even in your practices, like a lot of things that we do as human beings kind of cross, cross like different areas. And even what you do and what you did there was very musical. A lot yeah. of musicians were like, wow, they can appreciate that and understand, you know, from that perspective, even though we've been talking about something that's not exactly music. But I think communication, you know, historically, human beings have always communicated with, with notes. You know, you know, early humans is like like what we did was like you know in our tribal units. Like everything, everything was music, you know, and singing, yeah, 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 and stories and chanting and prayer and campfires yeah. and song and to the stars and to the plants and to the water, you know, and myths and and all yeah, of so those things. We're making sense of nature together, and and that's something that we've lost a bit. You know, and, and that's created some dysregulation, I feel, in our society is that we're not attuned anymore to the natural world and to our voices, you know, our, our unique fingerprints that are our voices that I, I because of the way that I do my work, I'm, I'm what they call clairaudient. I can hear when people speak what's really happening in their voice. Mm -hmm. so somebody can sit with me and tell me a story and I'll tell them 20 different things about what they're really saying that they're not saying because I hear it underneath the tone. Saying. Yeah, you're picking up the tone. It's like it's like well your actors figured this out, you know, and a mm -hmm. lot of singers have figured out like how you sing the song conveys mm -hmm. the emotion of the song and it's more than the words that you're singing. Totally. So you can you can make 
something that sounded happy be melancholy, mm-hmm. you know, even though the words sound like it's a happy song. The well, way it's, the same, it, it's the same way that know, people, when they have the mask, you know, that we were talking about in the beginning, and they're like, oh, I do this, or I make this much money, or I'm blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, you don't. Because <laughs> we, <laughs> we can all hear and feel that. And it's just, I think some of us are more sensitive to it. And, um, and I think also, like, for, for me personally, I, I only feel comfortable when truth is being shared. I'm very uncomfortable when I'm around people and there's a lot of fake energy. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. like the first part of our conversations, like actually doesn't, it makes me feel uneasy. I feel I it physically because I'm so empathic, um, which again is a blessing and a curse of being a healer uh, is that you, I have a really good barometer for truth and um, not saying that I'm not gullible sometimes because I, I, I most certainly am, but um, it's something that I want to perpetuate more in the world is authenticity. So and give people the courage and the permission to, to have the courage to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very important to have that kind of, you know, being attuned or in tune with the moment you're in. Cause I think a lot of people are so distracted by the modern mm-hmm. world, right? That they, they they're talking to somebody, you know, looking at their cell phone, they're looking at their wearable. Good point. And they're not really hearing. It's like, how often are people not even listening to what their wife says, their partner says, their boss says, their coworker says, anybody on the street? Did you actually really hear what they said? Totally. Or are you just trying to interpret what you want to hear? So yeah. everything you hear from what they say has been kind of remessaged to map to where your head's at rather than understanding who, what was just said. <laughs> Ram Dass has a quote, my, that philosopher I was talking about in the beginning, he has a quote that says, um, most people's relationships are ego to ego. And they're basically saying to each other, um, I'll make believe you are who you think you are. If you make believe I am who I think I am. And that is like an agreement that happens between people or family members, you know, we don't, we, 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 we're, our intimacy is like this. So we're like, you, you just pretend you're this person. I'll just be like, yes, yes, you're that person and vice versa, as opposed to actually meeting, you know, mm-hmm. and when, when two souls meet, you know, and you can say, this is something else that Ramdas says. He's like, you here, I'm here. Hello. Hi. How'd you get in there? You're in that body. I'm in this body. How's it going over there in that body? This is crazy, huh? Like we're, but you, but there's this this infinite point, or what? When we say Namaste, which is totally a cliche now, but like that's what the original meaning of that is: is Namaste is I'm meeting you in the place where we're one being. Yeah, total it's symmetry. Really yeah, all, yeah. All this one being. Yeah, the, the idea of like a actual soulmate, which a lot of people never really find because they. they, <laughs> they, they <laughs> Well, because they they think they found their soulmate, but it's really what you said. They're kind of doing this thing, and yeah. and, and it's all masked. It's all like layered, and it's what you want them to be, or what you want to be. But like you're you're all put on put on the airs, you know. So when you really get the real, that's, wow, that's a once in a lifetime romance story, right? And it seems to be rare. Like you get the like you hear about the couples that. Or they finish each other's sentences, and, you know, that they actually do have that connection. And it's yeah. like, wow, that's not, I don't see that all the time. Yeah, yeah. you know, because it probably doesn't happen all the time. Because I think a lot of people make compromise because of expectations. Like your parents expect you to do this, you wanted to do that, you wanted to get to this position in the society. So you, you, you made a choice. And a lot of times that choice doesn't, doesn't really keep you happy. It's, it's, I, it's like, I see it's, a lot of people like, in those kind of relationships. Yes, <laughs> it's, a, it's a deal. Well, yeah, I think that because we we wanted like you can't be out there being some free random actor. You got to tie you tie yourself down to something, even if it's not the right thing, just to show that you're part of the structure, that you're part that you bought into the structure. So you bought into it, but then you're not happy because you're like, well, I was supposed to get to this. Well, if it's not really aligned, you're probably not going to get there. Yeah. People are very fragile. 
and um, are very scared to admit how fragile they are. So they do, they cling on to things that may not be right for them, whether it's a job or a relationship. Um, yeah, and they used to say, there's a saying that's like people would run and hide when the shaman comes to town because they don't want to change, you know? And so I think that sometimes people message me all the time, like, oh, I've been thinking about working with you. And I'm like, okay, like, let's have a conversation. They're like, oh, I'm scared. And I'm like, don't be scared. It's, 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 I'm only in service to your soul. I'm only in service for the benefit of somebody's soul. And, you know, they, I've, I see people sometimes make, most people in my containers, I have to say, do make really beautiful um, life changes and transitions. And sometimes I see once in a while, a client will have a limit of like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. But usually they come back around in like a year and be like, you know how you said that thing? You were totally right. And, da, 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 da. and so it's fine. <laughs> People to do it in their own time, you know? Yeah. Cause sometimes once you, you make the decision to kind of do the work, sometimes they'll put you in a place that you are now, right? Yeah. And that place that you're supposed to be, it might be scary because there might be people that fall off and might be people to come with you, but it might, it probably isn't going to be like it is right now. Right. And so that's why I think people get scared of, because even if what's going on right now does, isn't feel, doesn't feel good. It's something you're familiar with. So and true. I think it's hard to go to that place that you don't know because you're not familiar with it. Yeah. But it's important right. also to go somewhere you don't know, because that's how you grow. That's really what the soul is all about. Like the soul in astrology, you start, you have a south node and you have a north node and the soul in the south node is what you're familiar and comfortable with. And the north node's the opposite of that. So if you're, for me, I'm comfortable being a mystic on the mountain, Sagittarius south node in the 12th house, right? So it's like spiritual teacher far away from society. But my north node in this lifetime is to get to society, which is Gemini and Virgo house, right? It's like everyday mundane relationships, networking, talking to people, you know, how do I, how does this woman who came from this in her soul get into a place where she can actually interface with the marketplace and humanity and all those things and bring all that esoteric woman wisdom into people who may not understand. And so that's my dharma in this lifetime. And so that's a it's a hard thing for me to do. It's a stretch. I don't know how to do it. It's something that I yeah, have to constantly kind of practice. Thread the needle. Yes, yeah, exactly. you, you always you gotta thread the needle is like a balance. And we always do that. Yeah, it's like it's like the problem is some things get out of balance. Mm -hmm. And then like sometimes you have to be out of balance to kind of get to the next phase and then you kind of level out. Oh gosh, isn't that true? <laughs> so some, some people say, well, I got to stay in balance, but that's not exactly true because sometimes you have to push it yeah. and you're on the other part of that bell curve, not to get into that, but like when you push it, you're not in balance. You're kind of on the extreme. A hundred percent. And a lot of people don't realize it's like that's kind of part of life is sometimes you're going to be on that extreme edge. You don't always have to stay there, but at some point they're there for some period to get to the next thing and then you level out and it's hard it's not always the one size fits all it's not the same solution for everybody and why people should talk to you know folks like yourself <laughs> yeah I actually say it's like a spiral because I think that in each lifetime we get like three lessons let's say three cosmic lessons that we have to visit again and again and like the layers of an onion metaphor every time we get a little bit deeper, the groove a little bit go. But when we come out that side of the spiral, we're instead of spiraling just like in a circle, we're actually, it's like a spiraling up. We're mm. actually like getting to another level of it, another level of it. And like that journey keeps going, you know? And on that journey of the spiral, there's like the point where you're like the furthest away from the center and you're like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to, I'm, I'm forgot who I am, what I do. And, and then you come back around and then you're like, oh yeah. I remember, but you remember better than you did before. It's like, I, I made, the, I, I wrote this on my wall. I wrote this on a piece of paper when I was like in my twenties. And it was like, each time you lose yourself, you find yourself again. Mm -hmm. Every time you lose your way, you find your path and you find it more true. And it, it's almost like, I believe that spirit, I believe in guides, spirit guides, angels, ancestors, our team metaphysically, it's like they do this dissolving and disillusion act and that you do forget who you are and what you're meant to bring to the world. 
And that forgetting is a, is a part of the transformation that you undergo in order to find a remembrance of something like more solid, more concrete, more conviction so that you go again until you go through another dissolving phase. And that's how we evolve. And I be also believe in these waves of ascension, like 2012, 2016, 2020, we're going into one now. It's like every time there's a rung of the spiral, there are these chapters of life and they happen in these really beautiful, it's like a shoo, electrocution of energy comes in. We live in that phase and then we do it again and then we do it again. And there are little initiations and choice points that happen. And I, I follow the wheel of the year, the solstice, you know, the equinoxes, the calendar and astrology transits. All of these things are kind of shaping us, uh, whether we know it or not. Yeah, because a lot of times we're out on the ocean looking for that navigation star, you know, and then you, you know, it could be a cloudy day. You can't see it, but, you know, it's still there. So you got to kind of, you're kind of like, well, I don't know where I am. Yeah. But like you get guided you know, by Polaris or you, you make it to the lighthouse, but like you, you finally have these navigation points, even if you can't see them, mm -hmm. they're, they're still there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, that's my little story. But but, mm -hmm. uh, um, but thank you again for being on the show. We always hit like the hour faster than, than we ever think that's going to happen. But we, we hit our hour mark by a little bit over. But I want to thank you again for being a guest on the Family Electric Ghost podcast. Uh, we were live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. We're going to be on all the other major podcast platforms by tomorrow. We'll send you a landing page for your um, yeah. your audience plus uh, the video file. Uh, we, we send a video file with the whole thing so you can cut it up into reels or however you want to. Oh, you're um, so sweet. Thank you again for being on the show. We do, do appreciate it. We do want to make sure everybody clicks your, your link. That will be clickable. Thank your you. Your Bitly Soul Mentorship that will actually be clickable when people check this out on all the platforms. So we'll click through and get right to that. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. If you want to work with me one on one, I do coaching um, in three month containers or less, depending on what. But I like to do three month containers because they're really beautiful rituals of initiation. So please um, feel free to fill that out. Don't be shy. Fill it out. And I will personally write you an email response. And then we will see if we're meant to work together. It's super, super exquisite. Um, I give you an hour of my time just to meet you um, and make sure because I want to make sure that I can serve your soul. I don't take on just anybody. And um, I can pretty much tell right away from the way you answer those questions if we're a match. So go for it if you're feeling the call. And um, or if not, just stay connected with me or come on to my email list at michellecotinho.com, which is my website, which is my name. And I would be happy to welcome you into my space. So thank you. And thank you so much, darling, for help, have, helping me spread the message and shine. I really appreciate it. Thank you again. I appreciate you being a guest on a Pam Luck to Go show. So have a good night. You too.